This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 137 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my co-host and friend, Mr. Paul Kanawa. How are you? Kia ora, Dan. I'm real good. How are you going? Pretty good. What's been happening in the Kanawa household this week? I'll tell you, it's been real busy and yeah, it's one of those weeks where I haven't had to travel anywhere. It's just, you know that thing we do during the daylight hours, the day job? It's mm, busy. Day walking. The, the, yeah. <laughs> It's busy. Like, there's no respect for the podcast. It's constantly work, work, work. Would you consider getting the the severance uh, procedure so that you could separate your your home work life? I I don't think I would, having watched the show and seen the repercussions. And also, I don't know that that the you know the management of my of my workplace would make that any easier for me. Uh, I yeah. I, <laughs> Let's hope the managers don't listen to this. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go there. I would, I would consider going part time. Some my nickname, okay. my nickname at work is part time Paul. You know, because right, right, early start, early you, finish. You put in a good day's effort. <laughs> well, Paul, as a podcast tradition dictates, what have you been watching? Well, despite the demands of my day job, I have managed to watch. One thing, just one thing this week, but it is all eight episodes of the first season of the Lazarus Project. Um, now, this is a this is a sci-fi thriller with a bit of, uh, I guess, a bit of drama mixed in. It's available on Neon here in New Zealand, and I want to go spoiler light, Dan, because I don't know. I, I reckon this might be might be something you may consider checking out. Who knows? But there's so much to watch; it may not be till 2024. So basically. The Lazarus Project is a top secret organization that are dedicated to preventing mass extinction events, and they have the ability to make time go backwards, and so they can try again if they're not able to, you know, if they're not able to stop Putin from launching, or if they're not able to stop COVID from spreading too quickly, or stop the asteroid from hitting the planet. I'm making all of those things up so as to not spoil the types of things they are actually stopping in the series, but it's it's a really fascinating watch. Is this this on your radar at all? I It's not on my radar, though I feel like I might have seen this poster for it before. What uh, platform did you say you're watching this on? This is Neon. Neon. Yeah. No, I don't. It's No, I'm a blank slate, Paul. Great. Well, I can't recommend this enough. It's... It's really clever. It's the the real gist of what makes this work is that they make time go backwards, um, and there, there's a real distinct difference, but be, you know, between that and traveling back in time. So they don't travel back in time; they make time go backwards, and they take their memories with them. So they can't travel back in time and tell themselves, uh, "Don't watch the Matrix Resurrections," because they've already done that, and they're going back in time and. And it doesn't erase the memory of having watched the movie themselves. So, uh, right, right. So they don't. But bump you could into go themselves. back in time and right. So you could go back in time and be like, "I'm picking these lotto numbers this week." Yeah, exactly. Because you you remember the lotto numbers from that time, and and right. and that's the thing. The world unfolds, but of course, depending on what you do, will determine if if things go sort of in the in the same way because. If you don't open a particular door, or if you don't walk down a certain street, you won't bump into that person. And so that's that's what makes it really, really clever. You sort of um, you have to actually you have to sort of sometimes you're sort of stopping and thinking, does that make sense? Like why is that happening? And you you sort of follow the steps and it and you connect the dots and you know, oh yeah, no, it does make sense. So it's really very well put together. And it's it's just yeah, it's, that sci-fi element is is really, really good. So it's almost a little bit of a, a butterfly effect. So like you sort of like things you do sort of ripple through and have, yeah. have impacts on your, your future timeline. Yeah, I would say if I was to liken it, I would say there's a bit of a bit of, a bit of tenet, uh, a bit a bit of um uh travelers or or dark or even a bit of actually oh, yeah. Groundhog Day would be another great, great ah. one. Because if you think about how 
you know, Bill Murray wakes up to this that same song on the radio every day. That's how Lazarus project works. So if if they're unable to stop whatever it is they need to stop you know, the mass extension event, then they 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 hit the button, they go back and they all they literally sort of come back to wherever they were at that moment, which for for the main guy who I'll talk about at the moment is literally waking up in bed. Um and so you know, it's got that sort of groundhog day effect in there for that. But um the the main guy um papa isido he is absolutely terrific um i've not not seen him before but he is like we we follow he's the driving force it's his character's journey we go with in the series and 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 like i said the effect it has on his personal life so this is his job he gets recruited into this project but his his personal life is affected because you know his girlfriend has no memory when time goes back. So she's just waking up and it's another day. Um, whereas he's reliving things maybe once, maybe twice, maybe more times, depending on how many times they have to go back. And he knows what's going to happen before it happens. So you'd think that would be handy, you know, to sort of avoid um, incidents or arguments or, or whatever else. But unless he plays things out exactly the same as the first time, the trajectory of what happens. So there's a bit of sliding doors in there as well. You know, it's, uh, look, it's, I can't recommend it enough. Um, uh, Anjali Mohindra, for who we we saw her in Vigil, she's great. Um, Tom Burke, who I really like from CB Strike, he's great. Uh, I don't know if you remember Maine Behaving Badly in the nineteen nineties. Carolyn Quentin, I haven't seen her since then. She's in this. She's really good in a serious role, and yeah, just a really superb ending to the season as well. Like season two is coming out next year, and you know it's definitely going to follow on exactly from where season one some season one ends. So yeah. Papa Isido was also in uh, Gangs of London, which was uh, another great TV show. So, yeah, um, it, it looks like a great cast, and it looks—you've definitely intrigued me on the the story front. Is this a show that this is a twenty twenty two show, Paul? Is this potentially a, a top ten contender? Look, this is officially number twenty four on my top ten nominations list. It's in there. It's in the mix. That's how much uh, like it's. Like it was just a little nugget. It was just sitting there. It wasn't heavily promoted. It hasn't had that many sort of, I don't know what the word is, you know, when likes or ratings on IMDb. It hasn't had many mm-hmm. Metacritic. It's sort of flown under the radar. It's a Sky TV uh, UK sort of show. And I don't know that That's Sky like gets quite the same publicity sometimes with some of their own productions, at least in the UK. So it's kind of flown under the radar. Like I've not had anyone I've talked about this, having seen this, very few people even you know heard of it but yeah for me it's going in on the list as as a contender that's uh very promising and I, as you've already mentioned i love that there's already a, a season two in the pipeline oh yeah um and so do you think you know sort of sometimes with a time traveling tv show it can be a little bit hard to follow if you're not fully paying attention is this how, how complex is this as a tv show so if we were to compare this to the matrix resurrections this is essentially um your first book that you read as a as a kid you're gonna have no problem amazing if we compare it to dark you're in for this is this is like a walk in the park um there are moments where you like how does that i don't know kind of like uh what would be a good example here it's it's easier than tenet like of all the things that we sort of talk about being hard to follow sometimes this is not hard to follow. There are moments where you have to really think the logic through, but if you literally stop, press pause, um, and and sort of think, oh, that's right, because he didn't do this, and the truck came along, and then he didn't go that way, it's kind of, it, it all makes sense. I made it to the list, Paul. I, uh, I think you've, you've, you've sold me. Uh, you've, I'm intrigued. Uh, I appreciate you not sort of giving us too many spoilers. Great that it's on Neon. We sort of uh, there's a lot of good TV shows coming out, but we're sort of finding at the moment we're wanting to wait till shows finish before we start them, mm. and so it's it's great when there's a whole season or something out there. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, the, the, the same definitely. There's a few things that I'd like to see have have them all dropped because I just feel like they're going to be something I want to watch in one sitting. So I'm kind of in the same boat there. But um, no, hundred percent recommend this. And as I say. Um, Papacito is a he's he's top quality. He really drives this forward, and I will be, as Chancellor Palpatine would say, following his career with great interest. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. I was thinking before when I was asking about whether this was a complicated TV show. Remember one of our most popular podcast episodes to date is uh, You Can't Watch Bosch While Playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> and I, I wonder whether that's the measure. Like, could I play Animal Crossing while watching this watching this uh, no, TV show? No, would be the okay. answer to that question. So put your phone down. Well, Dan. that's my measure. That's your measure. It's a, bit like the, it's a bit like the guns akimbo. Yeah. Who knows what it means, <laughs> but we just go with it each time. Can I play Animal Crossing? No. No. Okay. Good. 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 But that's me. All right. What about you? Well, good. Good effort. So um, I've watched a couple of things. So this has been a bit of a a slow burn watch for me. Uh, But we've been watching the final season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. So this is season eight. Um, A bit of a interesting season. So this is their their the final ever ever season, and it was a it was delayed because the. Uh, the writers and the producers and the cast wanted to, I guess, couldn't feel like they, they could make this comedy in uh, good faith with all of the things going on in the world, particularly around um, the murder of George Floyd, uh, mm. some of the police brutality, uh, uh, basically all of the policing issues. They, they, they wanted to be able to sort of reference this. And I think... This, I think they went too far, Paul. Like, I I think these are big, 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 big issues. I don't know whether it was the job of Brooklyn Nine-Nine to try to sort of respond to them. And I think, and it sort of shows in the IMDb ratings, the first couple of episodes, like the first episode is only a five-star episode. And I've actually talked to a couple of people in my small council who have also struggled with this. And it doesn't feel like the original um, 9-9. It feels like it's really sort of like hamming up these big social issues, kind of making a comment on them, but still putting the comedy around it. So it still kind of feels a little bit cringe. Um, and it, 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 I don't, I think it, it lost a bit of its joy. In saying that, what I found, it took us quite a while to sort of get through these these 10 episodes. Like it was probably watched over, I don't know, about three weeks. There is episodes in this season that really do bring back the classic Brooklyn Nine-Nine goodness. And I think the way that this season ends, like it ends really high. I think where it starts, and I think a lot of people fell off because they were like, this is too much. It's It feels forced. It's cringy. It's, it's not really working. It ends on a high. So... I think if you are one of those people that have maybe given it a go, decided that it's not for you, it's probably worth pushing through. And if nothing else, maybe, you know, you, you want to sort of close out the Brooklyn Nine-Nine chapter of your life, at least watch maybe the last four episodes. There's, there's some gold in there. They they finish it off in the way that any good sitcom should. They bring back some sort of long-lasting jokes and sort of humor off the show. And it sort of turns into quite a, a good package in the end, but it definitely starts very rough. It's really interesting that you bring this up because I've seen it sitting there for some time. And I think at its peak, Brooklyn Nine-Nine for me was one of the funniest shows and particularly captain holt and that deadpan humor uh, uh was always an absolute treat and it's as i say I, I, it's been sitting there and i've been like yeah we'll watch it we'll get to it but i haven't had that desire you know when something you really love drops and you're like mm-hmm. you're straight on it you know you literally cancel everything and take the phone off the hook do people still do that i don't know the phone doesn't have a hook anymore but you know what i mean it's that sort of thing and so it's interesting here you say it because it's, it's kind of how I felt over the last couple of seasons because at its peak it was great. It's good to hear that it at least finishes on a high because, yeah, they're rating their start of the season 5 out of 10. That does tell a bit of a story. Do, do they sort of, like you said, that sort of they bring back some old jokes. Do they bring Gina? Do they bring back, um, uh, what was his name, the the Vulture? Do, do, do we have any other characters that have sort of come back and round off? Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna drop some oh, because I think it's. Um, but there, there's some. There's some great throwbacks to characters, jokes, moments in the story, and I think you know, like to put it in perspective for me, I've always enjoyed Brooklyn Nine Nine, but it's never been a, a favourite sitcom of mine. It's always been a bit hit or miss, and the, and I think there's moments when they really just hit their stride, and then there's moments where it's a bit cringe. Um, but I think this. It feels like they sort of hit their stride again at the end, and there, there is some some genuinely laugh out loud moments. And I think you know, 
characters like Holt just are still like they're stronger than ever and they're, they're better than ever in the in these sort of seasons. It's almost kind of the particularly the Jake stuff in the first couple of episodes is is so like you know trying to fight the um, the NYPD like unions are involved. They're trying to cover up like mm. um, police harassment and brutality and you know and like these are all terrible things, but it's. You know, the show doesn't really have the right premise to explore them properly, so it never, it just doesn't, for me, it didn't work. And it just felt so, we're just trying to tick all these boxes as opposed to we're trying to sort of honour these real-life situations. So, look, I would, if you're looking for it, look, treat it like a palate cleanser. I think, like, don't try to binge it. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. an, an episode here and there is the way to experience this final season. I like the sound of that because that's probably what's going to happen for us, I think, um, when we sort of finish off our current palate cleanser, which I'll bring to the pod hopefully in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I think um, that's exactly what we might do. So that's that's good. It's If it's good enough for like one a night every now and then, that's great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so just know that first one, but right. Yeah. So you can check that out uh, on Neon here in New Zealand. Um, Is it Neon? Nine Nine. So the second show that I've watched, also kind of in the the palate cleanser category, is another Apple TV show. Like Apple TV, Paul, they're just it's so good. Yeah, right. I I feel like it's this is a show that actually first came out when Apple TV first launched, and I for whatever reason didn't watch it. Uh, Mythic Quest. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ted Lasso. I was like, oh, he's gone back to Ted. I, I, do you know I'm actually I'm, I'm trying to convince. Uh, uh, the wife that we should, because she hasn't seen Ted Lasso, that we should, we should uh, get involved in it. So, um, I'm still working on Mythic that Quest. Space. Okay, Mythic Quest. So, this is there's already two seasons out. So, the first season came out in um, February 2020. It had uh, it sort of finished around May 2000. Oh, sorry, in February. Oh no, wait, sorry. Let me let me rephrase all of that. I'm 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 being weird and think, not thinking about social. So this all dropped in February 2020, and then there was a couple of bonus episodes uh, that came out in uh, May and April. And in those episodes, they kind of deal a little bit with the the pandemic and what's kind of happened. But basically, what this what this show is about is it's a the owner of a successful video game design company and is troubled staff try to keep their hit game Mythic Quest on top. So it's kind of like a it's a development studio. It's and it's just kind of thirty minute episodes. The cast is absolutely incredible. There's lots of like really great moments. It kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of the office type vibe where there's all these different personas and characters in the office. There's like Danny Pudi who um plays this guy Brad, you'll you'll know him from community. Um and he's he's kind of that the monetization guy, and all he cares about is making money on the game. There's this guy um, David Hornsby, who plays David, and he's he's meant to be sort of in charge of the the whole operation, but he's got no control at all. Like none of the staff respect him. <laughs> it's got um, F. Murray Abraham, who you know yeah. we know him probably best from Homeland, yeah, Homeland, and you know he's a you know a top tier. Uh, spy and in this show his his name's C.W. Longbottom and he's like an old school fiction writer and he's kind of a, a bit of a kook around the office sort of you know trying to bring in the storytelling and he and he's yeah it's, it's honestly such a, a great fun watch it's it doesn't almost in my mind like there's components of it that are about cringe because it sort of really kind of hams into that video game culture and that almost that kind of twitch streaming culture but it's just a the dynamics between these characters are a lot of fun. We just finished season one. Uh, we'll be going straight into season two, probably talking about it again next week, but having a, a really, really good time. And season three's uh, coming out soon, so it's a good one. There's so much here that really, really appeals. Um, firstly, F. Murray Abraham, always enjoy him. I mean, he's gone from like, acting alongside some of the all-time greats, Amadeus, and then he was in Star Trek and Homeland, and he's he's an absolute screen classic. As you were talking, I was getting a little bit of a vibe, a little bit of a vibe of could it be a bit like Utopia that we talked about last week in terms of the office politics and that sort of thing, and you you sort of referenced the office, and so that's 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 good enough for me. 
Yeah, it's kind of a, co- a combination of all of those things, and it's it is very much a little bit of a a sitcom. Um, it's got a always sunny in Philadelphia vibe to it with sort of the uh, the main character. Um, isn't that his name's Ian, but he calls himself Iron. It's <laughs> it's it's almost just got all the great stereotypes and tropes. Like you've got kind of the, the like the guy the guy Iron kind of plays this you know, alpha male type vibe. This is my game, my vision. I'm an artist. You're my paintbrush. Uh, the character, uh, Charlotte um, McDeo, who plays Poppy, she's the kind of lead programmer. And she's, you know, kind of just like a bit of a mess, but a, a such a lovable character who kind of really helps like bring all the reality together. Um, David's got this great personal assistant played by Jesse Ennis called Joe, and she reminds me a lot of uh, April from Parks and Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, like she's su- super mean. Yeah. Like, will like do anyone over? Uh, it's it's a, it's a show full of great characters, and I know that. I, well, I have memories of sort of when the show first came out. It's sort of been met with a bit of a, a mixed reception. And even on IMDb, it sort of sits at around a 7.8, which is which is better than average. But as I say, we kind of just thought, oh, we'll give this a try, and we've kind of really fallen in love with it. So if you're interested, it's on Apple TV. Uh, it's definitely on the list now. That's great. And I see it's written by, or it's produced by Charlie Day. And he he was, as you say, it's always sunny in Philadelphia and so many other great things. So there's, there's so many great elements here. And the magic ingredient of Apple TV Plus has yet to let me down. There's no other platform, and I guess it's not fair on the other platforms because we've been watching them for so long, but there's, it has a 100% strike rate at this point, Apple TV, which is absolutely incredible when you think about it. And there's still stuff on our watch list that's still to come that we haven't even checked out. So um, it's great to kind of discover a bit of a, a gem. And I, I love nothing more than to find, you know, more than one season is just incredible. Yes. So it's pretty stoked to see that they're doing a season three, which premieres on the 11th of November, which is pretty cool. Very nice. And Paul, that is me for this week. Shall we jump over to our movie of the week? Indeed. So every week, Dan and I take it in turns. We choose a movie. We announce what that movie will be a week in advance in our Discord community, which you can join by just clicking on the link in your show notes on the podcast. And this week, Dan and I have gone with the 2021 movie Ghostbusters Afterlife. So when a single mum and her two kids arrive in a small town, they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind. Paul, it's been another week. What are you, what are you thinking on this one? This movie was everything I could have wanted from a Ghostbusters sequel or movie. I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I enjoyed it from start to finish. Jason Reitman has done his father an absolute he's he, the, the 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 legacy of what ghostbusters is 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 so so intact i i've already i've already done some reading around it and no wonder they've the studios already signed off on a sequel there's so much about this movie that i just thought was great and i think on the back of <laughs> matrix resurrections this i needed a good movie of the week and this this was this was brilliant. I had a fantastic time. Dan? This, unfortunately, Paul, is not for me. <laughs> I um, Here we go. I, though I, I want to pre- – I've been thinking a lot about this because I actually think it wasn't too bad a movie. I just don't think I – and I'm going to get – I'm going to get slayed for this. I just don't know if I care enough about the Ghostbusters. I feel like I – I enjoyed the first Ghostbusters, but I think I'm missing the. I can see you get in your car, you drive to my house. I, I know what's happening. I it it just didn't it didn't click for me in the way that I maybe wanted it to. But in saying that, I don't think it was ever going to. So I kind of feel like my my feelings on it are not for me. But I can really see how if you're a Ghostbusters fan. There's a lot of great moments in this movie that pay homage to the original Ghostbusters. And I think there's a lot of fan service moments. And I think it's great if it's a movie that brings in a, a new generation of Ghostbusters fans. 
Um, but yeah, I think um, there's obviously something wrong with me. I think I was maybe dropped on dropped on my head or something like you know. There's just things I don't get in this life. Like I, like I've only just kind of like got my head around Star Trek a little bit. I'm only <laughs> just like you know. Like it's it's tough for me, Paul. You're turning the knife. I just so according to Google Maps with current traffic conditions, I should be able to get to yours in an, an hour forty five, which isn't too bad. So I'm on my way. I'll see you soon. Um, get along. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, this this movie, I don't know. I, I feel like, and the and the strange thing is, is that Ghostbusters for me was a classic in the eighties. It was a great thing, but I was never. I was never huge on it, so it's not like a, like it wasn't like a Star Wars or James Bond or Superman or Batman or any of the other '80s things that were big and became. But it was always something I appreciated, and enjoyed. Um, I just think that the flavor of it was, in terms of a really pure sequel to, and, I, and I'll just quickly say for the record, just to put it in context, I thought that the Ghostbusters 2016 movie, I thought that was all right as well. I, that, that movie's got a lot of hate. It caused the studio a lot of controversy and financial whatever, but I actually thought that movie was all right. But as a pure sequel to the first two, I thought this one worked really, really well. I thought, as I say, with, with Jason Reitman sort of taking over, and his father actually did play a, a production role in this before passing away, but I thought they just did all the little things Right, the way they worked in Harold Ramis's um, Egon Spengler, I just thought that was so well done. The effects that they used to bring him in were really good, and it worked seamlessly. It was tasteful. It was a, a great moment to have all of the original Ghostbusters to have a scene of sorts together. I liked, um, I liked the way they did a timing. Uh, sorry, we're talking spoilers here, but you know the, the sort of the, the dedication to him. I thought they just did. Because this movie is not about the original Ghostbusters, and yet they come into it, of course, and it's well publicized, and they play a part. The the main cast, Carrie Coon, uh, who was she's the lead actress, one of the lead actresses in The Gilded Age. I thought she was very good. Grace McKenna, is it Grace McKenna? Oh, McKenna Grace. Uh, sorry, I, I just thought the way she says so she's Spengler's granddaughter. I thought she's just such a great young actress. You know some. She reminds me of uh, Emma Watson in Harry Potter. You can just tell at a young age, they're going to be really good. I just thought that she really, really played that role so well. And it was so important because if she hadn't, the movie could have gone in two different directions. Finn, Wolfhard, you know, from Stranger Things, they they really need to have him in glasses and blonde hair or something because I just can't disassociate him from Stranger Things. It's like how Daniel Radcliffe needs to look different. Otherwise, he's Harry Potter every time. I actually think I I found things like Finn Wolfhard like you know I, I kind of expected him to have a bit of a bigger role in this TV show because it's kind of like oh it's, it's the guy from Stranger Things it's Finn Wolfhard like and it's kind of played out like you can see him in the on the front of the poster and but it's actually his his sister that's got a far big, bigger role and it's also got me wondering Paul like sh- should we be referring to each other as podcasts because we do a podcast that's like right. is that yeah, I mean yeah, that kid, that that character podcast it was okay. Um, a good, good again, good actor, but I thought the, the character that was maybe one of the weaker ones within it. But Paul Rudd, always great value. He was desperate to be in this movie. He had the opportunity to to do a couple of other things, which he declined specifically, so he could take on on this role. There was just little things they did, like the use of the music. And, and I'm not talking about the classic song, but although that was good at, at the end credits, but the soundtrack music they used from the original movies was just was so well used. The style of the movie, the you know the the, the car, the effects, the effects were in line with the '80s. They weren't like they didn't make it look. It was modern, but it was just kept true to the spirit. The Marshmallow Man. Um, I loved. Now this is showing that I maybe I'm a bigger fan than I realized. But the gunner seat in the car, that mm-hmm. was so good. That was only ever seen in the animated series. So I don't know if you ever watched the real Ghostbusters, which was the animated cartoon back in the. You are a big. You've just confirmed your status as like a major <laughs> Ghostbusters nerd. That well, maybe I'm bigger than I thought. I am. Um, that that's that was a. Um, a late sort of, oh, let's make this thing canon moment because it was only ever seen in the cartoon. And I thought it had some really cool scenes in the in the movie. I, I mean, I, I do have complaints. I mean, as much as I like the Muncher ghost, 
why why mm-hmm. why did we not have Slimer? You know, Slimer's in the original mm-hmm. two, he was in the 2016 film, the animated series. Everyone wants Slimer, so the whole time I'm waiting for him. But you know, the, the bringing in of Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson in particular, those three as the original Ghostbusters, the way they did that, I thought was very well done. It's a big call to get them all to turn up back because it's been multiple times over the years but they've they tried to get them together and bill murray dan aykroyd in particular can't always see eye to eye on things um i would and this is going to make me sound like a bit of a fanboy but i i would have been nice to have them the old team show up just a little bit earlier so that it didn't take it away from the main cast at the end because it meant the finish was all about the old crew whereas i just felt like they could have come in a bit earlier and then we could have gone back to the main cast and finish it off with them I think that's a good call because there's a real sort of tonal shift, right? Because you're kind of going along with these kind of the, the next generation of Ghostbusters. And I think it would have been a nicer to kind of segue the, the old guys in because uh, it very much did feel like it was back to the original uh, near the end of the movie. Yeah. And I think, I think, I don't know what, there's obviously something wrong with me, Paul, because I feel like I hear the joy in your voice and I hear that like the, the fun time you've had. And I think back, I'm trying to think back to the first time I watched Ghostbusters. And I remember like, I was so scared of that Liberian ghost right at the start. But then I was like, they lifted me back up with the fun music. And then we had Slimer and we had the Stay Puff Marshmallow. And it was, it was a good time. And when I look at this movie, when I look at this movie, like it should have all those elements that draws me back in. But I, I'm missing the fun enzyme or something. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, I've seen you enjoy Stranger Things and Cobra Kai and other things. So there's definitely not that. I think just some things resonated big in the 80s and some didn't. Like to give you the context, Top Gun, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I've only actually seen that movie twice. And yet, yeah, and see, there you go. And yeah, I mean, I had an absolutely fantastic time with Maverick, but it, it didn't resonate with me. And I think for this sort of movie, because of the comedy element, if it didn't resonate with you back then, what were we talking about last week? And I sort of said to you, oh, if you didn't watch it back then, it might not be for you now because, ah, oh, Fraser, Fraser. Oh, we were yeah, talking about, yeah. you know, like if you didn't watch it at the time, it may be a dangerous rewatch and because of the comedy thing, it may not resonate. There's just a lot here that I just thought, um, yes, I would now look for a rewatch of the originals. Um, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with the with the next one. I don't know if all four... Uh, you know, if we're gonna, because we had Sigourney Weaver turn up in the in the post credits as well, which was awesome. But I don't know mm, if those mm. originals will show up in a sequel, or if it's now just the new cast. I think that probably is is good enough for me. I am glad, like you know, with with even with my negative attitude, I am glad that this is sort of worked for so many fans of the original. Like I was having a little bit of a look online just before, and like there's so many people who who share your sentiment that this just kind of is is such a great kind of retelling, a great sort of fan service. It, it's ticking all the boxes for people. So it's it's good that if you're a Ghostbusters fan, this is doing the right things for you. And and there's more to come. Yeah. And I, that's right. And I think it with Jason Reitman, I think it's in good hands because it's always about the writing for this sort of thing. This sort of thing, um take what was that other movie? Bill and Ted Three, right? Mm. Take a great eighties thing with actors and bring them back what sort of thing it's kind of like if the writing's not there it doesn't matter i mean same with the matrix resurrections you know if the writing's not there it's the writing that will make this key because the cast are all really really good they've all signed on all four of those moments for the for the next one and i just think if they can bring in another good story and you know even looking at the ratings of the original ghostbusters movie the second ghostbusters movie doesn't rate that highly in fact it rates lower than this much the hated 2016 Ghostbusters movie, which is a good movie, I believe. And I don't understand the reasons behind, uh, it the same with Ocean's 8. There's a, there's a real worrying trend with some of these movies as to why they're getting slated. And I think it, yeah, I would, I would love to see somehow a crossover between those, those movies. Cause when Sony released the Ghostbusters uh, box set, they didn't include the 2016 movie. And then they heard that some people might like it, so they included it as a digital copy. And this just, I don't know, I could go on and on for ages. God, I really am a big Ghostbusters fan, aren't I? <laughs> you know a lot about it. You know a lot about it. I respect it. It's good. Um, yeah, what do you give this on the, the Guns of Gimbo scale? Well, Dan, I give this all the guns. Or should I say, I give this all the proton packs. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> 
<laughs> what am I going to give it in the proton packs? Um, it, it's probably a, a two proton pack for me. <laughs> okay, okay, two's all right, two's all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you're in New Zealand, it's available to watch on Neon. And yeah, I'd be curious for anyone who does watch it to let us know whether, they, uh, whether they're a two proton pack or a four proton pack review. <laughs> I'm sure that there'll be a lot of fours out there. You get the uh, look, you get the classic song at the end. Who can resist that? Oh yeah, yeah, that is a good song. That was definitely a highlight. It did bring me back up. Whew, got, so, Paul, got, what was your uh, your highlight of the week? Well, despite how much I've been saying how awesome Ghostbusters, you got me really juiced up now, Dan. I am, um, I uh, I'm still going with Lazarus Project as as my pick of the week because it really. I love it when you press play on a TV show and you're kind of thinking, oh, I haven't heard much about this and I don't know too many of the people and is it going to be that great? Or, yeah, And you just come out on the other end. So, uh, yeah, for me, Lazarus Project for sure. What about you? Very nice. I'm going to go with Mythic Quest just because it was a, a great find that's been right in front of my nose the whole time. And uh, I just I love it when you find an uncut gem. So yes, that is a, a good show for me. All right. What about our news desk, Dad? All right, what is happening on the news desk this week? So, a couple of things. Firstly, uh, the sad passing of Angela Lansbury. So, uh, I don't, Paul, you're probably a big mood as she wrote fan as well. Yes. Um, you've got, got a few t shirts. and <laughs> It was such a great, a harmless show to grow up watching in terms of, you know, like Columbo, just one of those easy watches. She, I mean, 96, that's a good age, eh? It's a really good age. Like it's, um, uh, yeah, no, really, really good and really sad for for her family. I always remember Murder She Wrote being on a often a Friday night in New Zealand, and like if you weren't careful, you'd find your parents on TV One with Murder She Wrote on, and you'd be you'd be sucked into an episode before That's, you knew it. It was so. yeah. In the UK, it was a Sunday afternoon, and, and you know my nan would be around, and I'd be watching it with my nan. So it probably holds a bit of a memory there. Yeah. Um, it looks like in a weird turn of events, uh, Dune Part 2 is being brought forward a little bit earlier. So it was originally slated for release on November 17th, 2023. It's been brought th- f- um, forward to November 3rd, um, 2023. So just a couple of weeks. Um, but it's always, I, I love it when movies get brought forward and not always being pushed back. Yeah. The, the sad news of that is... The reason I think it's been um, pushed forward is that Marvel is hitting pause on the the latest Blade movie. We talked about some of the the troubles in last week's news desk, and they are hitting pause until they can find the right director. And I think that has created a a slot for Dune to to move forward, which I think works out better because there's the new Hunger Games prequel coming as well, and they didn't want to have Dune and Hunger Games sort of too close together, which which makes sense. I think it's good to press pause if it's not right. Like you think about the, the, the mess of Star Wars solo Star Wars story, but the, the change of direct, like get, get everything in order before you get going. I think. Yeah, indeed. Um, what else? A couple of other things. So George RR Martin, um, has come out and said that house of the dragon will need at least four seasons to tell the story of the dance of the dragon, which I think is, is great news. I can't wait to talk about the, the whole season of house of the dragon, having an absolute blast with that one. So four seasons will be, I'm here for it. Sign me up. Let's just, uh, green light those four seasons straight away. We don't need to wait for, uh, annual funding for each season. I was expecting, as someone who you know, doesn't watch, I, I just expected that that would possibly run, you know, eight, nine, or something, you know, like Game of Thrones. I thought it would just go. So it's obviously a shorter. He in, he's already it's it's already in book form, is it? The whole thing. So this th- this is a single book, oh, and so um, okay. as opposed to Game of Thrones being several unfinished books. Okay. Um. So. Which is why it's a bit shorter, but it's honestly, Paul, it is a fantastic TV show. And final bit of news from me. So you might have seen over the weekend at New York Comic Con, there's been some great footage of Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox reuniting um, for the first time in a while. And not that that's news in itself, but I think it's a it's a wonderful moment. And one thing I think is very cool that sort of you know, this is this has been a, a lifelong uh, bit of work, particularly for Michael J. Fox, but he's actually raised $1.5 billion for Parkinson's research over his 
over his since he's had Parkinson's, mm. which I think is just a, an incredible um, feat. And he even sort of talks about he would never he would never change not having Parkinson's. Um, it's made him who he is today. So mm. I just thought that was great, and it was just such a, a touching moment seeing those two reunite on the stage. Yeah, no, I did see that moment as well, and it is it is wonderful to see them back together and. Um, yeah, I, I, he has had it for so long. I remember, you know, talking about nineties TV shows and all this, like Spin City. I used to oh, absolutely yeah. love that show with him, and I remember that he sort of had to leave that as well. But he's, you know, he's he's so positive about it, and um, that's a lot of money, eh? It's a lot. It's a it's a pretty good funding effort. So um, great shout! But any other news on your side, Paul? Um, as you say, in New York Comic Con, a lot of um, a lot of trailers dropping. Some of which I haven't watched, but I'm just excited to know that they're out there. One of which I did watch, and I won't talk about beyond saying it is just amazing. Was the Star Trek Picard season three trailer, which um, after the mess of season two, that um, looks like they've one got your, their... one of your favourite seasons, wasn't it? <laughs> season two. That's right. It looks like season three. They've got their ducks in a row, and you know. Again, I really am the marketing manager's dream because it comes to fanboy stuff. The you know they're getting the old gang back together, the whole crew from '87, the original Next Generation crew, and that's what we want. That's what I want. Good. So, um, so there's that. And the only other thing I heard of this week uh, was um, uh, Michelle Yeoh and Pete Davison uh, have signed up to be uh, in the new Transformers uh, Rise of the Beast. So, um, yeah, Transformers always one of those franchises which equal parts fills me with excitement and equal parts fills me with, oh, no, we're not going to do another Bay mistake, are we? But um, <laughs> but those two I thought were interesting interesting choices. So, um, But that's all I've got on news-wise. Uh, let's just switch into the mailbag. Here we go. Um, so last week you and I reviewed Utopia and we had um, Emma Louise Wilson who plays Katie in the series. She liked our review of Utopia and she started following us on Instagram, which is pretty cool. Um, we had the host of the award-winning podcast, History of Aotearoa New Zealand, uh, message us uh, regarding our Star Wars Andor review, or our first part, part one review, I guess, for episodes one to four that we did. Uh, he says... He's finding it slow. He thought the first two episodes could have been condensed, but he does agree with us around it was really cool to see some deep world-building stuff going on. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one for us to come back to, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've obviously been watching it week by week, but we've decided to kind of build up a bit of a, a collection of episodes to talk about. Mm. And it's... It's a real highlight of the week, I think, at the moment, like along with there's so many TV shows dropping, isn't there, Paul? Like with oh, no. you know, like House of the Dragon, we've got Andor, there's Handmaid's Tale, there's there's stuff coming out all the time. Yeah. There's a lot there. So um so yeah, so thanks, Thomas. Uh his podcast, by the way, hundred percent worth a listen if if you're into New Zealand history, it's it's the best of the best. Um <laughs> what have we got here? Um Paddy, he he appreciated our um he appreciated being referenced as the unofficial chairman of Half Measures Podcast and has likened himself to Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, which I think checks out quite nicely. Paddy himself taken on a new day job. Uh, like us, you know, podcasting doesn't quite pay the bills, so good luck in the new role, Paddy. See, I, I like to think of Paddy as like the chairman, more like a, a Vince McMahon from the, the WWE. And, it, and at any point... Someone could run out and give him like a you know like a slam into a table or something, and it could be all on for the uh, for the chairman position. So just you know, stay aware, Paddy. Stay aware. Having never met Paddy in real life, I would the idea of clotheslining him really appeals, which is a terrible thing to say about a person. But uh, the unofficial chairman, uh, much appreciated. Someone who is officially though a member of the Half Measures Podcast team there is uh, Michael Chambers from North Carolina, United States, uh, has signed on be a patron uh he enjoys horror movies huge fan of vinyl and a good guy all around always brings the news to our discord community so he's our first patron from north america so welcome michael welcome michael thanks so much for helping keep the the lights on here at half measures much appreciated 
And finally, peak performance was uh, Lena Headey last week. So let's kick off with Michael. In fact, he went with uh, Fighting with My Family, number three. Uh, number two. Great movie. Yeah. Another one, number two, Dread. He says that movie needs a sequel. I'm inclined to agree. I um, I think actually both of the Dread movies, I'm going back to this Delo movie, I thought both of them gave me something. Um, and then number one, I, I'll go. I agree. I think um, I would love to see Carl Urban back as, um, as Dread. Um, and I think you're right. Like even the Stallone one, I feel like we've never truly had a, a great judge dread. Like that's really like lasted, like, you know, like we, we have a Batman and we kind of have a good sort of three or four movie trilogy and we get it for a while, but we just, for some reason we only get one dread. It's, it's tough going. It is tough. I'm not going to do an impression cause I won't do it justice, but I have, a, I have a memory that's way too strong in my head of Stallone screaming, I am the law. And it really, it's, 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 it's so strong in my mind. Anyway, that was his number two for Lena Headey, but his number one for Lena was the number one that should never have been cancelled, of course, as Sarah Connor and the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, our old mate Bruce uh, from Scotland got in touch. He went with the parole officer for Lena Headey's performance, which he describes as being criminally underrated. Um, it is a real classic Steve Coven comedy. If you like Steve Coven comedy, you, you, you're 100% going to enjoy uh, The Parole Officer. Uh, Ryan from California uh, said, always love 300. Um, I remember that movie when it came out, uh, the Jared Butler movie. That was a, a good good movie. Peter from Wellington, Game of Thrones. And Paddy, the chairman, went with uh, 321 of Dread, 300. And Game of Thrones, so lots of themes going on there. That is, that's the mailbag this week. That is a uh, great shout. I love hearing hearing everyone's peak performances, especially when they're different from ours. And it kind of yes, it's a great chance to sort of surface up some of these other movies that we've either looked over or haven't been able to talk about. Speaking of peak performance, shall we jump on over to this week's peak performance? Much like our movie of the week, Paul and I take turns choosing different actors, actresses, directors, producers, and we talk about what we think are their peak performances. Paul, this week we're talking about Mr. John Lithgow. Dan, this was... I love it when you sometimes really surprise me with your choices. I'm like, oh, that's a great show. And you have inspired a rewatch uh with the selection of john lithgow because and i've already confirmed it's available to watch in new zealand as well and this is 1984's the adventures of buckaroo banzai across the eighth dimension this is could oh, absolute classic could this be any more 80s this this movie so sci-fi and alongside john lithgow we've got peter peter weller robocop you know christopher lloyd doc brown jeff Goldblum, the fly, absolute classic, really good fun sci-fi. Maybe it's not up there with Ghostbusters uh, in terms of that sci-fi comedy, but it's still, I remember renting it on VHS in the late eighties and just absolutely loving it. And I, and I remember watching it at least sort of two or three times. Cause you know, when you rented the video, you sort of have it for a few days. So this had to be my honorable mention, absolute classic. If you haven't checked it out, I'm going to. So if you want to watch it with me, let me know. Um, that number one peak performance for me um, was a very easy choice. It's the one he won the most awards for that he's won for any role. And that is his Winston Churchill in season one of the crown, an absolutely incredible performance from start to finish across the season as Winston Churchill, an exceptional look and feel and just transformed into, into Churchill and just seeing him, in the context of the relationship with the royal family, with the with the queen in particular, it was just an absolutely exceptional performance, and definitely, you know, the Emmy and, and all the other awards just so deserved. Absolutely brilliant. That's my uh, peak performance. Dan, what about you? Those are great shouts. There's uh, there's actually a lot of great John Lithgow um, options, isn't there? So I've really sort of struggled to narrow it down to two, but I think for my honourable mention, I'm actually going to go with. Uh, John Lithgow's role as Dr. Dick Solomon in the 1996 to 2001 TV show Third Rock from the Sun. This was a, a 
a bit of a classic growing up TV show for me that was kind of always on TV, kind of around the time you eat dinner. Like it could be sort of be a six thirty at night or a five thirty, and it was it was always kind of great laughs. And I I just think the the whole cast, in particular John Lithgow, um, Kristen Johnston, uh, French Stewart, and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, uh, aliens sent sent back to Earth. Um, and disguised, disguised as humans, and I always just fully believed Paul that they 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 were from outer space. I think <laughs> they were just so convincing in the way that they played these roles, and they were so sort of uh, naive to humans and everything going on. So uh, John Lithgow always a lot of fun in that TV show. You put your um, you put you put yourself on the line this week, Dan, with Ghostbusters, saying what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me, Dan? Why have I not watched this show? I think I watched it a couple of times, and I just feel like. I remember French Stewart and someone else, and I just thought, oh, they're too whiny American. <laughs> it's offensive, but there's just, I couldn't quite cope. But looking at it now and looking at the ratings, looking at the premise, Wayne Knight, Newman, of course, um, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Why, why, why did I not get in amongst this back in the 90s? I don't know. What what year did you come to New Zealand? <laughs> 2001, the final year, just as it finished. Right, right. Well, I think what you've got to remember in New Zealand is that for the longest time we only had two TV channels. <laughs> and then it wasn't until sort of the, the mid-90s or uh, that we got a third TV channel. So there was never a lot of options. Right. So you kind of, you know, you watch what you watched. So, and, you know, back in the day when there was only one TV show and typically your dad decided what you were watching. This is what we watched. So luckily, good times. Luckily for podcast listeners, there's more than two choices. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Unlimited screens now. And then I guess um, switching gears, um, also going to go for another TV show. I'm going to go for John Lithgow's role uh, as the Trinity Killer in Dexter. So this was in season four of uh, the Dexter TV show. And John Lithgow, I think, plays one of the, the best serial killers ever to kind of feature on the the Dexter TV show. He's so terrifying and he I think he's just one of those actors that really can shift from comedic gold to stone cold killer. And this is one of those seasons where where he did that. And he's always sort of stood out to me as a as a great villain. So for me, Third Rock from the Sun and then Dexter season four where John Lithgow played the the Trinity Killer. And also showed up, I see, in New Blood, in Skin of Her Teeth. That's right. Amazing. That's right. So, yeah, it's uh, um, it, and there's so many more. I feel like I really wanted a, a shout-out for Shrek, but I just I couldn't bring it in the mix. But I, All right, Patty. You know, All right, Michael. <laughs> I know, right? Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. I'll let those guys do that. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Patty's going to have Shrek. I'm, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, that probably brings us to the end, Paul, of another um, episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does, indeed. Thank you, as always, for bearing with us, for listening in, for putting up with. And we do like to hear your views on the things we review, whether Dan got it wrong or I got it right. Whichever way it is, let us know um, on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Trisha Brady, and Dinah Kanawa, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then please do so through the link below. But until next week, everyone, adios.